but thank you. Thank you. Good morning. We're um, continuing to look at how we can bless our neighbors. So far, we've looked at B, to be in prayer. We've looked at L, to listen. And E, one of my favorites, eat. This morning, we're going to look at the first S, which is to serve. I don't think that many of us question whether or not we are supposed to serve our neighbors. After all, we want to be like Jesus. And as Matthew 20, 28 tells us, he came to, be, he came to serve, not to be served. So once you pray for someone, listen to them, and eat with them, there's a good chance that you will know how to serve them. But our attitude is everything. Just ask my friend Douglas. Fine, whatever. Okay, fine. Hey guys, it's me whatever. again, Douglas. And have you ever noticed how there are some words that are like good words? Hey guys, it's me again. But they Douglas. kind of. And can have be you ever noticed how there are some words? words you know what that, I mean? Like the word fine. Like good like if words. If somebody says fine, usually but they kind you know, fine of can be turned good. into almost. But if you bad ask somebody words, how they're doing and they say, you know what I mean? Fine. Like the word fine. No, they're not fine. Like if somebody says and fine, you can tell by their attitude. You know, fine is supposed to mean good. But if you ask somebody how they're doing, they're not actually fine. Not actually. Actually, right now. Actually, right now. I am currently grounded for saying the word. For saying the word. Okay. Okay. Right. And okay means okay means like good. Good, right? Or you know, right? Okay, or, you know, like, okay. Yes. Like yes. Well, my mom, well, my mom, she, she, she was watching TV, and she asked me to clean my room, and uh, and uh, and I just, and you know, I just, you know, I respond, respond, and I was watching TV, and she, she minutes later, she minutes later, she asked me again, she said, Douglas, clean your room, clean your room, and I still didn't, I still didn't answer. And the third time, the third time, she was like, Douglas, I said, I said, clean your room, clean your room, and I went, and I went, okay, hey, boom, grounded, grounded. And I was gonna go and clean I was my gonna room. Go clean and my I room. said, "Yeah, I'll, said, go, clean yeah, I'll room, go clean my room." But, but I definitely, I definitely was not was saying not it with a good, good attitude. attitude. Definitely had, definitely had some sass, sass thrown, into that, thrown okay. into that. Okay, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. And here's the thing. And here's the thing. Is, is God is really God cares really cares about what's on about the what's on the inside? He doesn't just care. He doesn't just care what you say or what you do. What you do. He cares about why. Cares about why you say. Cares about how you say. How you cares about why you do it and do it and how you do it. God cares about cares about what's. Side, side. You know, I had every you intention. Know, I had every intention. I was going to go clean my room, and I said, "Yes, I'll go clean my room." You know, but I didn't say it like that. I said, "I said, okay, okay." You know, puffing and puffing and puffing. You know, I, I was, I was doing what I was doing what I was supposed to be doing, but I was not doing it in the right way. And I got, and I got in trouble. And I should have, and I should have gotten. I honestly, I honestly, I feel bad. I asked my mom, like, you know, in the Bible, in the Bible, the people that Jesus got most got mad at were the doing and saying all the right, all the right things. But deep down in their hearts, down in their hearts, they were prideful. And they were jealous, and they were mean, and, were mean and, hateful. and hateful. And God cared, and God more, about cared more about that than outward than appearance, outward you know, just them, you know, following, just them following, the following the rules. God cares God about, cares what's, on about what's on the inside. And so my challenge, so my challenge today, to you guys today, you would really, you would watch, really your watch your attitudes. attitudes. You know, and that's a challenge, you know, that's a challenge for me too. I want to do better at that also. Because sometimes sometimes we try to punish people, right? With right? the way that we with behave. the way that we behave. You know, yeah, you know, I'll, do yeah thing, I'll do the thing, but I'm going to be real snarky about it. I'm going to be real sassy about it. I'm going to be real mean about, mean about it. it. That's not what God That's wants. That's not what God wants. God wants us to honor him in all that we do. 
And that really, and really, that really, really includes how we do, how we do, what, we do. what we do. You know, I, I don't you know, really like I don't cleaning, really like cleaning room. Room. I don't know anybody that likes cleaning their room. But it's something I got to do. And so I want to try, so to, do try to do it with a good attitude. Because that's what God wants me to do. Not just even for other people, but even in my own heart. If you've got a good attitude, that can really change your outlook on life. God wants us to be kind to other people with our words and our actions. God doesn't just care about what you say or what you do. God cares about what's on the inside. Thanks, hey Douglas. <laughs> so if you don't know Douglas, look up Douglas Talks. He talks about everything, and he's great. He's really good at it. And we can all relate, right? No parents, I'm not talking to, to you about relating with me about grounding my children, because I can relate to that. I'm actually talking about the fact that I can relate to Douglas and that my attitude is not always the best. I really need to watch my attitude. And as I was developing this sermon, and I was saying, well, you know, I should probably give an example. I was hoping that example would come from maybe, what, 10, 15 years ago? And not just, <laughs> not just a few weeks ago, when I volunteered to help a friend of mine who puts on a massive summer program at a local university every year. She's recently married. She has a full-time and a part-time job, and she just got accepted at NC State um, for a PhD program. She's a little overwhelmed. And I thought, I could be a blessing. I can go help. I know what needs to be done. I've done it with her several summers. And so I did. Felt real good about it. Felt good about myself. Here we go. We're going to go do this. And I was excited. I hadn't seen her in a while. And then I looked at my calendar, because my calendar rules my life. And I realized that I had volunteered to help her on the night of an NBA playoffs game. It was a crisis moment. So initially, my attitude was with myself. I was angry and incredulous that I had not lined up my service with the NBA schedule. But as the day approached, I increasingly became more and more resentful. I knew I was going to go, and I knew I was going to do what I said I was going to do, but I was really resentful that I now had to do a thing and not sit in front of the TV and watch the NBA game. I went. It was a lovely time. We did all the things that we needed to do. But if I'm being honest, I was distracted. Now, I did not pull out my phone and check the score. <laughs> I wanted to, but I knew better. But I was distracted, right? And when I left, what I realized was, and she said, she said that I had been a blessing and we had gotten things done. But when I left, what I knew was I had not given her my best. I had not given her all of my time and all of me in that moment. See, it really matters. Our attitudes really matter when we serve. Our attitude 
when we serve is as important as the things that we do for our neighbors. Philippians 2 says, to address our attitudes. Before he tells us anything else, he tells us that we are to watch our attitudes as we serve. We are to do nothing. Absolutely nothing should be done out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. And in our relationships with one another, we are to have the same mindset as Christ. So what mindset does Christ have? What attitude does Jesus have? Paul's first admonition is that we serve with humility. Humility is a Jesus mindset. Christ existed in the form of God, but did not consider equality with God a thing to be held onto. Instead, he took on the form of a servant and came in the likeness of men. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is the ultimate example of humility. He did not value his own self-importance or honor, but freely gave it up in every situation so that God's will so that God's will would be done, and so that God would be glorified. He had no agenda other than that of the Father. We are often tempted, we as humans are often tempted to operate in a spirit of selfish ambition. We, we look to advance our own agenda, to satisfy our own needs. Sometimes we do something nice, we cook a meal, take a meal to someone. We give somebody a ride. We may volunteer to help with the summer program. <laughs> On our jobs, we serve others, not out of humility, but really so that we can look better than the person next to us, so maybe we'll get the raise and they won't. Or at the very least, maybe we'll both get a raise. But we're looking out for ourselves. And Paul realizes this. He realizes that each of us naturally looks out for his or her own interests. So he's giving us both a theological and practical lesson on Jesus' command that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves.
Now, this is a radical idea. It is countercultural. So don't feel bad that it doesn't feel good all of the time. But having the right attitude and service to others often means giving something up for them. Sometimes we have to give up our time. In fact, almost every time that you're going to do something for someone else, it's going to cost a little bit of time. Again, you could be cooking for them, cleaning for them, taking in someone's children. Whatever you do, it's going to be it's going to cost you a little bit of time. So do we set aside some time, maybe make a little extra time in our day just in case somebody asks us to do something? We might have to give up our energy. So have you ever offered to watch someone else's kids? Even if they're the best-behaved kids in the world, this is not a statement about the kids. <laughs> really a statement about Relisa not having any kids. <laughs> it, it really is the thing that takes the most energy out of me, right? Two hours with somebody else's kids and Relisa's in the bed three or four hours. It's, it's a real thing. But I have to give of my energy. And we're also often asked to give of our finances. Here at Gate City, we are really blessed. Whenever we ask you all, whether it's for uh, support of our Afghan family, our Hannah's Haven Christmas Project, um, family room, you all rise to the occasion. So I'd like to ask, do you do the same outside the church? Do you do the same in your communities, in your neighborhood? Do you give of your finances? Jesus is the ultimate example of giving something up for others. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Jesus is, always has been, and always will be God. Jesus lived a 100% human and 100% God. He lived as 100% human and 100%. rather than for others. We can only do this through the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul makes it very clear that Jesus was and is God, not just a prophet, not just a teacher, not just a healer. He was and is God incarnate. 
John 1.14 says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. Hallelujah. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. I don't know about y'all, but I get goosebumps. Jesus, God, had every right. Every right to, you can finish that sentence. But Paul says he did not consider equality with God as something to be used to his advantage. In other words, Jesus did not hold on to his rights as God. He was not looking out for himself. He surrendered his rights for you and me. He gave up his privileges in order to come as man to give his life so that we would be reconciled to God. Even though Jesus had access to all the privilege and power that his divinity gave him, and even though he could have used that privilege and power to basically grind us in the earth to dominate his creation, Jesus considered his deity an opportunity for service and obedience. Instead of using all he had been given to his own advantage, he used it for others. He used it for those who had nothing. He used it for us. All the authority and power available to him was a conduit for giving. His focus was not on being served, but on serving others. He did not exalt himself, but instead emptied himself. Do we consider our own prestige, power, and resources, opportunities for service? Do we use what we have been given to serve others? The contrast between the value system of the world and the value system of Jesus is striking. In our world, the person who has the most money, has the most power, has the most prestige, is the greatest. But in the economy of Jesus, it is just the opposite. The person who is the highest does not live for himself, but for others. The one who would be the greatest among you is the one who is your servant, is what Jesus said in Matthew 23, 11. So if you and I are ever going to be servants, if we're going to have the same attitude as Christ, we're going to have to give up some of our rights, some of our privileges for the good of others. That is what Jesus did, and if we are to follow him, that is what we are called to do. In addition to being humble, Jesus demonstrated an attitude of selflessness. 
Rather, verse 7 says, rather he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made human, being made in human likeness. Servanthood, serving others, means becoming less so that others can become more. Jesus emptied himself. He literally poured himself out, made himself nothing. He emptied himself of significance. God himself became a servant. He willingly left heaven for a stable. He left the company of angels for the company of men. He who is omnipresent took upon himself the limitations of humanity. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. This is at the heart of what it means to follow Christ. It means to lose our life to save it. It means to be emptied of self in order to be able to be filled with him and his passion for others. It is no wonder that people like prosperity theology. We can get with that. You know, in case you don't know, prosperity theology tells us that um, we know how close you are to God based on how much money you have, how big your house is, what kind of car you drive. Those are all indicators of your faithfulness. That's what prosperity doctrine is. It says that God rewards your increase in faith with an increase in health and wealth. This feeds right into who we are, into our fallen nature. You know, that nature that is afraid to give because if we do, we won't have enough to do something for ourselves or for our family. I can't give to you because I may not have enough next week. I can't give this week because my next week is coming. But to be clear, Jesus would never ask us to empty ourselves and not refill us. You will never be able to give more than Jesus can give you back. Although we are mostly more interested in becoming something or someone than becoming nothing and no one. Jesus wants us to be the no ones. He wants us to be able to be okay being no one. You may know that our grocery giveaway on Wednesdays um, we not only give away groceries, but we also pray. We offer prayers. 
It's the highlight of the day for me because carrying them groceries is heavy. <laughs> but we do it. Um, and so on this past Wednesday, I was struck by our own uh, Denise Stafford. On several occasions in my passing by her at, at someone's car, I heard her asking them for prayer. I was like, oh, that's a twist. And then it dawned on me that that service, she was being selfless and humble, and she was asking for prayer from people who had come, from our neighbors who had come to receive food. You see, it is absolutely possible that our service to others starts with allowing them to serve us becoming less so that they become more. Thank you for that lesson, Denise. So finally, we need an attitude of obedience. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus' humility extends to the obedience of his death on a cross. To truly understand the magnitude of this obedience, you must know what death on a cross was. This is the most difficult part of the sermon for me to write. Because I didn't know. I'd had a conversation with my sister on her porch one summer about um, uh, the Roman Empire's use of the cross um, as punishment. Um, and at the time, I didn't have really an answer for her. I do now. Um, so I'm going to share with you what I learned. The early church did not view the cross the same way that we do, right? We see it as victory. Um, I got a big clunky necklace on today, but usually, almost every day, I wear a little silver cross. And it, it, it not only says to me whose I am, it recognizes all that was accomplished on the cross by one life given on a cross. However, death on a cross was not simply a form of execution. It was the lowest form of execution. It was reserved for the lowest class of people, for those who had no standing or rights. Remember that there were two others being executed on crosses at the same time that our Savior was crucified. He was obedient to a death that signified he had no standing, and no rights. So Paul is telling us that cru crucifixion is the lowest that anyone could stoop socially. Cru crucifixion was the cruelest form of official execution for the Roman Empire. And Jesus was obedient to this death. It is on the cross 
that the true nature of God is revealed. God is love. He came to give himself for us. There is nothing he will ask. There is absolutely nothing he will ever ask me to do that will cost as much as going to the cross cost him. We can never give up as much as he gave up. We can never humble ourselves as much as he humbled himself. So we should therefore be willing to do whatever he asks, whenever he asks, however he asks, because he will always, always supply what we need. So some of us have already predetermined the things God wants us to do. We've decided the parameters of our service. We will only serve in a particular place. Uh, we will only serve in a particular way. My gifting is this. I'm going to operate in my gifting. Okay. We will only serve a particular people on a particular day, at a particular time. We have convinced ourselves that God is not going to ask us to serve in any way that is outside those parameters. But, and we think, we really think we're being obedient. But what we've done is to decide that we're just not going to listen to God. We're not going to listen when he calls us to do something. We have selective obedience. And that is not real obedience. So the, um, when I first heard the Lord tell me that I was um, going to serve him in um, foreign lands as a missionary, I was young. Uh, I have four children. At that time, I only had two. And um, I was like, I don't know what voice I'm hearing. That cannot be the voice of God because he knows that I, I, I have two very young children. He knows I don't even know what a foreign missionary is. The church I was in, didn't, didn't, we didn't have foreign missionaries. I didn't know what a foreign missionary was. He knew that I was married to a man who did not want to be on airplanes. Surely, God did not expect me to go ask people for money. I had decided how I was going to serve God, and it did not involve going to any foreign lands because all of that, in my mind, had to be worked out in order for me to do so. But God... So when you are serving and you are really, really comfortable there, think about what God may be saying to you about stepping outside of that comfort zone. Doesn't mean that you need to go far away, right? But maybe, just maybe, there are people waiting for you that you have just not even thought about because you are serving, and you're doing a really good job. 
every Wednesday at 8.30 in the morning. And that's your service for the week. And hey, if that's all you got, cool. But I bet, I just bet, if you ask him, he will give you enough to add a little bit more. Servanthood means being obedient, whatever the cost. So in serving our neighbors, as I'm wrapping up, we should be aware of our attitudes. Why am I serving? You should know why you're serving. Be honest. Because this is an opportunity for God to do a work in your life. And if your attitude is not right, pray. God will answer that prayer. We should listen for God's leading. Is God asking me to do something? Is God asking me to go somewhere? Is God telling me to go see my neighbor? Be open to his voice. And lastly, we should look for the widows, the orphans, and the overlooked. Because church, they're a lot closer than you think. The worship team can come up now. So in conclusion, being a servant is as much about being as it is about doing. And as Douglas told us, our attitude really is everything. Our attitude, the mindset of serving others instead of being served, of giving rather than receiving, of obeying rather than dominating, is lived out through the interpersonal exchanges we encounter every day. How we treat the checkout person in the grocery store or the men who pick up our garbage or the teacher who has failed our child. That matters. We tend to look for that, that, that big experience where we can demonstrate our faithfulness to God. But in reality, it happens in the small, everyday, somewhat uneventful occurrences of our lives. Let us pray. Father God, as Beth um, prepares to sing, make room, I pray that we will make room for you to do whatever you want to do in us and through us. I pray that we would serve whomever you want us to serve, that we would serve wherever you want us to serve, and that we would serve however you want us to serve. I pray that you would help us when our attitudes need adjusting. I pray that we would yield to your will and to your way. Father, show us your heart for our neighbors and bless us to partner with you so that your kingdom may come. In Jesus' name. If you would like prayer, please come forward. 
feel free to just sit and reflect. I really appreciate you all. Thank you.